0: Here, here's what we want to do today. Here's what we want to do today. We are heavily invested and have been for several years now in TTI, the Timothy Initiative, church planning organization. We have partnered with them uh, to plant churches and unreached people groups in regions of the world that is very, very dangerous to go to. And uh, everybody can't go, but we can help send. Amen. And I've had the opportunity. I've had the opportunity to be in other places in the world with with Brother Nelms and, and and get to sit down with him and ask questions and and get all this stuff. You haven't. You haven't. So I wanted to take an opportunity to just sit down, ask some questions, uh, kind of interview, if you will, uh, and, and, and we'll have we'll we'll have maybe. Uh, there's no way to get two preachers on a platform not get some preaching out of it somewhere. Amen. Amen whether you interview or not, but that'll happen. Uh, But I just wanted you guys to be able to, to get to hear what I've had the opportunity to hear. In waffle houses and and Applebee's and places we've been uh, trying to encourage and train people here in the U.S. and also uh, overseas, uh, preacher, you was with us. You, we were all together in Dubai when when the young lady in the in the restaurant got saved, and that that was cool, wasn't it? It
1: was incredible,
0: incredible. So, incredible. with that being said, let's let's go ahead and, and get started. And uh, the first question, the first question I would like to ask you uh, for everybody to know is. How did TTI get started? How, how do we get there?
1: Yeah, and it's just so good to be here today, Malcolm. I love I love your church, love everything about this place. Uh, but yeah, I was pastoring in West Palm Beach. I went over to Asia. And by the way, I don't want to mention countries because of security reasons, but I was in Asia and I was in a little village. And as I was walking the streets, and if you want to put up that first slide for me, as I was walking the streets, I saw I saw several Hindu shrines. I saw a couple of small mosques. But I didn't see a church. And so I asked the guy that I was with, I said, where's the church? And he said, said, there is no church. There's probably never been a church here. And there will probably never be a church here. Now, I'd been in many places where there were no churches. Okay? It's not the first time I'd been in a place like that. But that day, I'd been kind of observing. I'm not the most observant person in the world. And out over on this side, there was a rice paddy. And the young men were out in the rice paddy, working hard, b- bent over in that hot sun all day. They're all Muslims and Hindus. It occurred to me, they're not my enemy. They're the victim of my enemy. Right. That's all they know. There's never been a church there. There's never been a Christian there. They're they're working hard trying to feed their family. You guys know what that's like. Just working hard trying to feed your family. I saw the young women with their babies taking care of their babies. They love their babies just like you love yours. I saw the the old women cooking lunch over a fire, an open fire, for the guys who were getting ready to come in. I saw the old men sitting under a tree talking. The little children were running around playing, just, little, just like your little children, just running around and playing. Some of them were naked. Their toys were a stick or like an uh, empty plastic water bottle. I remember one child had that all scrunched up, just playing. And it hit me all of a sudden these people are not rejecting Jesus Christ, they don't know who he is and they don't know who he is for one reason we have not told them Malcolm at the time I was pastor of a church about this size I lived in a beautiful home a guarded gated community had a swimming pool in the back but none of that mattered all the way home all I could think of was I've got to do something I don't know what to do but I've got to do something. I got back, I talked to our church leaders, and we launched a project. It was a local church project. I believe missions is best when it goes out of a local church. I agree. We launched a local church project to plant 7,000 churches over the next three years, house fellowships over the next three years, across four or five Highly unreached countries in Asia, and that's all it was ever meant to be a three year project, but it took off. So it's been 15 years now. That's the story.
0: Uh, can you? I know this is not in my, my list of questions. I just added this because just to what you just said. Can you kind of explain an unreached people group really quick?
1: Yeah, an unreached the, the world is made up of 17,000 plus people groups or ethnicities. When Jesus said go make disciples of every nation, he used the word ethne. He wasn't talking about a geopolitical nation, Canada, USA. He was talking about people groups. There's two or three hundred nations, seventeen thousand plus people groups. of those people groups are classified as UPGs, unreached people groups. To be an unreached people group, less than 2% of the people in that ethnicity would be what you and I would refer to as evangelical born-again believers. So there's got to be at least 98 point something percent that are non-believers to classify as a UPG Forty-one percent of the ethnicities in the world, over three billion people in those ethnicities. That's at least three billion people that are lost. That doesn't count all the reached people groups, which simply means there's at least two point something percent believers.
0: Now, with the biggest majority of them people, you could say they've never heard.
1: A whole lot of them, uh, just untold millions untold millions are you hearing me untold millions
0: we uh we've had several projects with tti over the past five or six years and and this is is it's a church in every village everywhere uh how's that gonna work
1: yeah well because of those upgs even if the ethnicity has been reached in the sense of there are churches there now a few uh let this auditorium represent a people group if if every chair represents a village there might be a church in the villages on this front row here but the rest of you there's never been one and so what we're trying to do with achieve a church in every village is go back and start filling in the gaps so we we've engaged those people groups but there's lots of places where there's still no churches. And what we've done is we've developed a a simple map system, if you guys want to put up the map for me. It's a red, yellow, green system. You're looking at little villages there. And what we do is our Timothys, as they go out praying and witnessing, they survey. And when they're in a little village, if they find a believer and a church there, we paint that village green. If they can find a believer but no church there, we paint the village yellow. And if they find they can't find a single Christian or a single village or a single church in the village, we paint it red. And then, though we will plant churches in green villages, we target primarily those red and yellow villages. Which, by the way, these church banks you guys have been working on for a couple of years, that's what we've been doing with your banks. We've been painting red and yellow villages green. We've been going to places where there are no churches and and starting churches there. We just finished mapping, well, we're at 99.6% the last time I checked, of the villages in one Asian country. 84% of the villages are red. Mm. That means 84% of this entire country, we could not find a single Christian or a single church in 84% of the villages. By the way, That country has over 30 million people. Mm. That would be like, just to give you an idea of the scope of this thing, that would be like surveying every little village, every neighborhood in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky. There's 30 million people in those five states. And we have surveyed the entire country. The country next door to it, we've surveyed that many more people. We still have a long ways to go there. So this is uh, this thing is huge. And you guys, you guys are literally on the... You're literally the point of the spear. You're li- literally on the front lines of this thing. So we do believe... Uh, we believe we're going to get a, a church in every village. By the way, a coalition is formed. A coalition is formed. And that coalition, there's now some two dozen ministries like ours. And we're all using the same software. We're all using the same mapping system. They're mapping also we're communicating and we're working together to try to uh, just to try to get the job done a lot quicker. So it not double up. So it'll double up. Yeah.
0: Now, what were those states again?
1: Georgia, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky. There's about 30 million people.
0: Imagine an 80 something percent of those states not having a single church and most likely not having a bible. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're the, seeing.
1: The vast majority of the villages there, there's nothing. 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 Okay. Oh, can I say one more thing? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, that's all right. Uh, Matthew twenty four fourteen. Whatever you believe about the return of Christ, it's all kind of, I know what I believe. But at some point, Jesus said every nation's going to hear every is going to hear and then he said after that point the end will come so whenever that occurs uh, we are getting real close yeah you can you can we can see we can see the end in fact we think it can be done in the next 10 years right 10 11 years amen
0: you know most of most churches in America are either plateaued or dying and some very 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 small amount is is seeing addition but from what we've seen overseas is multiplication yeah and so uh you know kind of help them understand that that that, that's one thing that's kind of blows my mind
1: yeah you we we cannot afford to grow by addition anymore it's too slow we have to grow by multiplication put the chart up if you would the dollar chart you may have you may have seen this before uh if you if you add a dollar a day for 30 days or 30, what is it? 30 days? Yeah, 30 days, you get $30. But you double a dollar a day for 30 days, you get $536 million. Okay? So that's that's the power of multiplication. And the key is not making disciples. The key is making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. In other words, making, multiplying disciples. And when you do that, and that's why your pastor is is uh i want to say pushing encouraging you motivating motivating you inspiring inspiring you to challenging a, yes and all the above guilt trip guilt trip yes <laughs> to be a disciple maker if if the pastor does it good luck if you D.L. moody once said better to train 10 men to do the work than to do the work of 10 men and moody was pretty smart so you've got you've to focus on multiplying. And what's happened with us is we started out with about 2,500 Timothys. But this year we're training a hundred... We means you guys. Y'all are a part of this. Not me. We. We are training 120,000 Timothys this year. The, the Timothys... The Timothys are each required to train... Two Tituses, a Titus is Timothy's Timothy, new believer that becomes disciple. They gotta train two Tituses to graduate. So now we're up to over a third of a million. That's happening this year. That does not count all the master trainers, all the movement leaders, and all the rest. In the first six months of this year, we planted a little over sixteen thousand churches. We don't report them until we eyeball them. Sixteen thousand churches. If we can have the same results the second half of the year as we did the first half, that'll be over 30,000 churches planted this calendar year, which is a church every 18 minutes, which means during this service, we're going to plant three or four more churches. And that's the power of multiplication. Amen.
0: Church, amen. <laughs> amen. You ever heard? Well, I know you have. You heard the phrase "live and learn." Yeah. Okay. Fifteen years in TTI. From what what you knew about ministry through all the years in the stateside. Now now you've been in TTI for fifteen years. What have you learned?
1: Yeah, a lot, and I'm learning every day. About the time I think I got it down, I realize I'm not even. I, I'm I'm still in nursery school. But let me give you. I'm going to skip over a couple of videos and things, guys. Uh, number one, incredible, important lesson the absolute importance of prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I grew up a uh, Baptist. We believed in the Holy Spirit. But uh, do you remember the old hymn books? Uh, in the church I grew up in, the Holy Spirit was like the third verse of a Baptist hymn. We always sang verse one, verse two, and verse four. We always skip verse 3. I don't know why we skip verse 3. We just always skip verse 3. We were ready to sit down. Amen. Well, uh, it's there. You can read it. We just never sang it. And the Holy Spirit, sometimes, is, I think we were so afraid of some of the abuses with the teaching. To us, the Holy Spirit, to me, the Holy Spirit was a doctrine, not a person. And I've learned the absolute importance of the Holy Spirit in prayer. In Acts 1 they prayed. In Acts 2 they were filled with the Spirit went out and preached and 3,000 people got saved. Acts 3 through 28 is a repeat of Acts chapter 1 and 2 just in different places. They moved from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Listen, wherever you find a movement in the world where multiplication is taking place, prayer is Always precedes church planting and disciple making movements. That's why we want you guys on the prayer team. We'll mention that in just a second. So that's the first lesson.
0: Is that why you've got it, the first chapter?
1: Amen. Absolutely. Book? Jesus his last words were When the Spirit comes, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. He directly connected the coming of the Holy Spirit to power to witness. His very last statement. The Holy Spirit does more for us than just give us power to Amen. witness. There's a whole lot He does. But in our Lord's last statement, he's, He stated He is coming for this reason. How many of y'all have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? According to Jesus, He's living inside of you to give you power to be an effective witness, a disciple maker for Him. So that's the first lesson. Second lesson is... And I didn't understand this fully before, but there are two essentials. And this really applies to your church here. There are two essentials for a sustainable disciple-making movement. Those two essentials are the Holy Spirit again and the Holy Scriptures. Now watch. Here in the West, we emphasize the Scriptures. And we tend to de-emphasize the Holy Spirit. In the movement world where the church is exploding... They emphasize the Spirit, Holy Spirit, but they tend to de-emphasize the Scriptures, not on purpose. In many cases, they don't even have a Bible. As you just said, in many cases, they've never even seen a Bible. But when you can put those two together, when you put the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, which the Holy Spirit inspired for us, when you put those two together, when they're found and bound together, what you end up with is the book of Acts. You end up with... You end up with a movement. Years ago, I heard somebody say, Malcolm, scriptures without spirit, you dry up. Spirit without scriptures, you burn up. Scripture and spirit together, you grow up. And so that's the idea that, that essential it's essential if you want the movement to be sustainable. You see, I like to say our guys start churches for breakfast. You can start a church overnight. But that thing can die just as quickly as as it starts. So if you want to see a sustainability, that's why in your DBSs and your micros, there's got to be a strong focus, not just on the Holy Spirit and not just on the scriptures, but on both together. Uh, This is why we developed our books, the curriculum. We've got a through the Bible curriculum. It's 2,500 pages. You guys are using uh, the books here. By the way, we will print over 1 million books this year. Over a million. And so that's the second lesson. Third lesson is uh, the necessity of obedience based discipleship with accountability. Uh, Temple, Pharisees can quote the Bible, devoted Christ followers obey the Bible.
0: Say that again.
1: Pharisees can quote the Bible, devoted Christ followers obey the Bible. I can't prove what I'm getting ready to say because I was not there. But if you could take those 12 apostles, put them here, take the 12 leading Pharisees in Jerusalem and put them here. My guess is the Pharisees could have outquoted the disciples oh, easily. on Scripture. Easily. Okay, But they were also whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Okay, It's not quoting the Scripture. It's obeying the Scripture. The Bible tells us this over and over again. Let me run through some verses. James 1.22. It's not hearing it. It's putting it into practice. Otherwise you deceive yourself. Yes. Uh, Matthew seven, twenty-four, end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, The wise man hears my words and does them. In verse 26, he says, The foolish man hears my words, but does not do them. In Luke 10, verse 1, Jesus sent the seventy out to preach and heal the sick and cast out demons. 16 verses later, verse 17, they came back and they gave an account to him of what they had done. There was accountability. He sent them out to do this work. They came back and reported what they had done. And even in John 17, 4, the high priestly prayer where Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, may they be one as we are one. He's on his way to Gethsemane. I love this verse. He said, Father, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished even Jesus reported back to his father and said, you sent me to this earth to do stuff. I've done it. I'm heading out of the garden. He obeyed. Even Jesus saw himself uh, accountable to his father. And that's a big missing piece in the American church. Nobody wants to be told what to do. No one wants to be held accountable. Obedience-based discipleship with accountability is, is critical.
0: Say the deal about the Pharisees again. Cause I got a word that goes, you know,
1: the Pharisee Pharisees quote the scripture devoted Christ followers, obey the scriptures
0: all through, all through the gospels. Anytime you see the word Pharisees, there's a, there's one word that usually comes up over and over and over. It's the word hypocrite yeah. hypocrisy. They were hypocrites in, in, i mean i don't I don't think you cannot not apply that to this if we just come and we hear it and we go about our day and we're not changed we're not different and we're not obedient to what we hear we're hypocrites yeah i i mean there's there's no getting around that
1: and again James, we have deceived ourselves yes we're self deceived hypocrites a couple more quick lessons there's the importance of sharing your story. a lot of you guys are doing that. I was thinking last night i I feel sorry for the lost people in Coleman, Alabama. They're getting hit by everybody. Now. We're going after. Them. Amen. Um, they they probably s- start running and screaming when they see you guys coming.
0: Hey, I got I got. <laughs> 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 I've got to say this. to these guys, we we had we had a cohort we had a cohort in town Thursday and Friday training pastors from let's say Iowa, Detroit, uh, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, Uh, there's a couple others, I can't remember. Uh anyway, anyway, we were here and we broke them up, four different people. I took a group, Josh took a group, Jason took a group, and Dustin took a group. Went to different restaurants. And do you know in some of the restaurants we were struggling to find somebody that we haven't already that somebody from Temple hadn't already shared with. And that was an awesome deal.
1: Yeah, they they probably think you guys are a bunch of Baptist Jehovah's Witnesses okay. <laughs> uh, or Mormons, one of the two. But think about that: the two groups that actually do it are Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, right? And we've stopped doing it, and and, that, and that's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame we haven't. Yeah, you we're have doing
0: it, it amen. Yeah, amen. And we're going to keep
1: doing it. So, amen. So keep telling your story. And finally, I think the other lesson is the Great Commission. I'm a big. I love church planting. That's kind of my. Hobby. Um, that's all I know. But the Great Commission is not go plant churches. The Great Commission is go make disciples. Matthew 28, 2 Timothy 2 2. And so. Hold on, uh, I
0: got to ask a question on that. Okay. Uh, and the only reason I'm saying this is because you sent me all over America talking to pastors and church leaders and, and, and even at GPW, Dubai. and And it seems like. There's a con- I don't want to say the word confusion, but there's, everybody's got their idea of what a disciple is. Yeah. What, in your own word, according to scripture, what is a disciple? If you this in the simplest way, yeah. we're in the country.
1: I, I got a slide on this. A disciple is someone who lives like Jesus, which by the way, let me stop. There's two parts, living like Jesus, leading others to do the same. Living like Jesus is the great commandment. How did Jesus live? He loved his father. Right. He loved people. If you live like Jesus, you'll love God, you'll love people. A disciple is someone who lives like Jesus and leads others to do the same. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That's the Great Commission. Years ago, I heard a great commitment to the Great Commandment and to the Great Commission builds a great church. Making a disciple means you're training someone to live like Jesus and to go out and lead others To do the same. That's what we mean by making disciples.
0: Now listen guys. Y'all know me well enough. Y'all been coming here long enough. I have no shame. If it takes me guilt and y'all into doing something. I'm willing to do that. I don't care. I'll make you feel bad. I'll, You know whatever. If it will help you and motivate you to go share the gospel with somebody. I'm willing to do that. I read something last night. Uh, an, an older, older pastor during the Spurgeon era, he said, if you want to, if you want to embarrass, if you want to embarrass a 20th century Christian, ask him two questions. One, have you ever won someone to Christ? That's that second part leading someone to do the same. Have you ever won someone to Christ? And then the second question, when's the last time you tried? When's the last time you tried? And listen, that's the part that we are missing in America. That's the part we're not sharing our faith. We're not sharing our faith. I, I got into, I did, I'm, and I apologize. I did something I tell y'all not to do all the time. There was something posted on Facebook yesterday about that and defending lifestyle evangelism. It means don't share your faith. Just, just live good in front of people. You can live good in front of people for 20 years, but if you never share the gospel with them, they're still lost. If we don't get our mouths open, if we don't get our mouths open and and share with somebody, then then we're hypocrites. We're not being disciples. One of the greatest things that you've seen about the disciples in the Book of Acts is even when they were being persecuted in Jerusalem and they were scattered abroad, what they do everywhere:
1: preach the word, preach the word, share Christ,
0: told people everywhere. what God had done for yeah, them. So, everywhere. I mean, that's if if we're going to do anything. It, I, if there's one thing, I don't want anybody to accuse me of or accuse the people that God's entrusted me with is to be hypocrites. Hmm. And if if we're going to we're going to live it, we're going to speak it too and share it. So, Amen. 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 Uh, huh. if, if, if 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 you you see what you see in the movement world overseas. I want to talk about here too if we yeah. get time to do that, but yeah. Uh, what do you want to see? What do we need to see? Yeah,
1: we're in trouble. We're about to lose our country because we're our churches are just we're we're just in trouble. Uh, we must we must take personal responsibility for the Great Commission. I think the average church member in America, first of all, the average church member in America has no idea what the Great Commission is. Okay, why is it? It's not emphasized. It's not taught. Uh, But those who do teach it, most of us, I think, see it as the church's job. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, He was not talking to a church. The church had not been birthed yet. Pentecost had not yet come. He was talking to people. He did not give the Great Commission to a church. He gave it to individuals. We must take personal responsibility... For the great commission but even if he did give it to the church who is the church we are it still comes back to us and so there has to be personal responsibility for the great commission it is not malcolm's job the other pastor's job here to obey the great commission their job they're to obey it as christ followers their job here primarily is to equip you to live like jesus And lead others to do the same. Their job is not to do it, but to equip the body to do it. So first of all, if we're going to see a movement in the United States, we've got to take personal responsibility. Everybody here, if you're a believer, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, He lives inside of you for a reason. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, this is a big one to me. We must disciple our children. Those of you with children, you got grandchildren, make it your high priority. We are losing our kids in this country to the enemy. If you don't disciple your children, nobody else is going to. If you don't disciple your grandchildren, nobody else is going to. It is not Temple's job to disciple your children. It is Temple's job, the pastor's job, to equip you to disciple your children and finally
0: hold on the number on that 77 percent 77 percent of all kids that grow up in church by their first year in college according to barna they're gone
1: yeah we we have we're just we have failed miserably we've just failed miserably uh and i'm not trying to be pessimistic but
0: realistic
1: it's it's the truth yes it's the truth and the third thing i would say is this We must be willing to pay whatever price necessary to advance the kingdom. And by that I mean by making disciple makers. Listen, it's not easy. It's not easy in Coleman. It's not easy in parts of the world where they slit your throat. It's not easy in parts of the world where when you become a follower of Christ, you lose everything. Your whole family won't speak to you. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Yeah. I, those nails going through his hands, they hurt. Okay? There has to be an absolute devotion. We've got to remember the words of Jesus. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, you die on a cross, and follow me. Can I close with the story? Sure. I think we're about out of time. Um, your pastor and Dustin and I were recently in uh, Dubai, as Malcolm mentioned. And we had, uh, we brought, we have about 750 staff globally. We had about 200 of them there. We never had a global staff meeting where everybody met everybody and they'd never seen each other. It's been 15 years and we brought them together. By the way, our little dirt poor churches in a little country in Asia paid for all of that. We didn't pay for it. They raised the money. People that have dirt for their floors and no running water. Okay, they gave, and they paid for that. But anyway, there was a couple there from Nigeria. Okay,
0: why? Why did they do that?
1: Because they they wanted to send a message. We're one of the poorest countries in the world. If we can raise this kind of money in our little churches of... I was in one of their churches two weeks ago, 13 former Buddhists. They had 13 members, all of them former Buddhists. They wanted to communicate, if we can do it, what can you do with what God has given to you? Okay? And that's what, what I mean by the, we've got to be devoted. It, it can't be this playing church thing. It can't be this, I'm going to give up an hour and 10 minutes on Sunday morning. We've got to get over that. It's got to be a, a, a full devotion. But I was talking to a couple that was there in Dubai from Nigeria. And if you know anything about Nigeria, there's a jihadist Islamic group there called Boko Haram. Boko Haram is allied with ISIS, their partners. Okay? And they kill a lot of people. They don't they only kill Christians, they kill Muslims. They kill everybody if they disagree with you. And, and I asked this couple, because I know we work a lot in North Nigeria in their region. And so I asked them, I said, have you guys run into Boko Haram much? And they said, yes, we have. They said, this, you, 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 you were right there in the same room with these guys. Mm-hmm. They said, we have, had, we have had multiples of our Pauls and Timothys shot and some of them killed by Boko Haram. Our leader who is there his name is Solomon you've met him two years ago Solomon had over 1100 people in his tribe Christian people who had been shot and wounded or killed by Boko Haram in just the first six months the first six months of the year it is that kind of devotion that we've got to have in the United States or I think we're doomed and by the way I know you're taking up an offering today. I saw it somewhere. Uh, If we're not willing to give our money, I guarantee you we're not going to be willing to get nailed to a cross and give up our lives. And so, uh, being devoted to Christ, we haven't said anything about money yet, but that's part of it. It's not just your time. It's not just your devotion. If He has your heart... He has you, and that means he has everything you've got.
0: You know, I, I told these guys when I got back from Dubai, uh, I was in tears, and uh, I think one of the most convicting, the hardest things I saw uh, was when Jared was teaching the session on "Is it worth it?" and he began to ask. He began to ask the guys, "How many of y'all have been beaten for preaching the gospel?" and they began to stand. How many of y'all have lost a family member for preaching the gospel? And they begin to stand. How many of y'all have been jailed? And they begin to stand. And then he said, he said, uh, some of you guys are going to lose your lives. You're going to give your life for the gospel's sake. And he asked a question. He said, is it worth it? And there was just this, there wasn't even no hesitation. I mean, the whole room just erupted. Yes glory. And man, I sat back there and I, I thought about some of the things I've witnessed in the States where there's such an apathy mm-hmm. in the American church, such a I, 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 lukewarmness yeah. and, and That's what we are that can, I, I'm telling you, man, that just, that, that, that broke me. That was, that was, that was hard to witness knowing what I'm trying to, you know.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I can sit here all day and tell you story after story after story. I know a lot of these people, and they have they have their houses burnt down they they go to prison they uh, I know a case where a man beat his wife when she got saved so badly, and he took her baby and put the baby in the oven and turned the thing on um, and I don't want to Maybe that's too much to be sharing here. No. I don't know. But it, it, Jesus said, it's going to cost you everything. We don't want to do it if it's going to cost us anything. There has to be a point where we say, this stuff is real. Yeah. He really is our God. He's our king. This book is True. The Spirit really lives within us. There is a heaven. There is a hell. We're only on this earth for a short time. We've got a job to do. We've got a mission, a co-mission, a mission with Him. And at some point, we've just got to... Take it seriously. We've got to take it serious. And in the movement world, it costs them everything. And they're willing to pay it. And that's why it works. Right. Uh, hey, can I make a closing statement? Sure. Um, I want to thank you guys... Uh, I told Malcolm today and Dustin, I'm giving you guys a 97 out of 100, uh, which that's the highest I've ever given anybody. Uh, I told him how he can get to 100. He's rebelling against me. Uh, but, uh, But I don't give anybody a 97. You guys, there's not a week go by in my life I don't tell people your story. There's not a week to go by. Sometimes it's every day. I got a meeting tonight in Birmingham. I'll talk about Coleman. I got three tomorrow in Birmingham. I'll talk about Coleman. And when I get home, Raleigh, I'll talk about Coleman. I tell people all over the country about a church where they're not only planting thousands of churches globally. I think after today the funding will be there. It'll push you guys up over 5 thousand churches plus Amen. listen you could, you could yes. but, uh, Doug Ripley you know that's rare that is extremely rare but what I think excites me more and that part really excites me because that's what I'm giving my life to it goes back to that story I was in that little village there there's no church um, that's what I'm giving my life to, to get, the, to get a, a, a Christian presence within walking distance of everybody on the face of the earth. But what excites me about you guys is you're not just doing it ends of the earth, you're doing it here. And I, that just, a lot of churches want to do it here, but they don't want to do it there, or some want to do it there, but they don't want to do it here. You guys are doing both. And then on top of that, a whole bunch of you are on the prayer team, and I'm going to be at by the front doors as you leave. We've got a card, and I tell you, all these stories, all these people being martyred and persecuted and all the... Pro- Listen, uh, I don't know if you've been reading... But in I'm, Asia. In Asia. <laughs> uh, massive floods, rainfall, massive. I was watching Fox News the other night. They were interviewing the ambassador from that country. And he said there's now a lake in the middle of their country. I think he said it covers 100,000 acres that wasn't there previously. But that flood has washed away the homes of 164 of our Timothys, seven of our Pauls. When I say washed away, I mean the house is gone. Like, like the hurricane, it's gone. Over 170 of our Timothys and Pauls, one of the Pauls had his little daughter washed away. In the house, the, the the this kind of stuff is happening every day, and I thank God for the offering you're taking today. But all the money in the world is not going to change that. We've got to have prayer, and I would just ask if you're not already on the prayer team, you say, "How do I don't know if I'm on it?" You get a prayer email every month, okay? If you're not getting it, you're not on it, okay? Stop by the table and see me. We, we we've got to have your prayer too. That's this, ain't it? That's this right here. So Thank you, Mel.
0: Okay. Uh, grab your Bibles real quick. I mean, real quick, quicker than that. <laughs> Galatians six, Galatians six, uh, brother Chris, that'll be verse six. Verse six to, to, to verse nine. And I want to leave you with these verses. Galatians six, verse six. As soon as y'all get there, say amen. amen. Paul is speaking about giving. He, he's speaking about generosity. And he says this. He says this. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In other words, if somebody's teaching you the scriptures, you are, or giving you spiritual blessings, you ought to be willing to give them Financial blessing. You ought to be able to take care of them. It's basically giving. It's just giving. Generosity. And then he says this. Then he says this. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The word mocked means to mouth that. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth. Say it with me. Whatsoever a man Sorrow. That shall he also Now my whole entire life. Preacher, my whole entire life, the only time I've ever heard that verse in, in application was sin. A preacher used it saying, bless God, if you live this way, you're going to reap this. That wasn't the context. The context was giving. And he says, listen, he encouraged people to be willing to give and to share their financial blessing. And then he says this, and I want you to know, I want you to know, God is not going to be bad mouthed. And here is the point to that. Nobody will ever say to God, you owe me. You owe me because I've given such and such. Nobody able to be because if you sow it, you're going to reap it. So you're not really giving anything. You're investing on something that you're going to reap. Does that make sense? And, and I thought this is what I learned about sowing and reaping just from the little bit of garden experience I have. You're going, to, you're going to reap what you sow and you're going to reap in proportion to how much you sow. And if you put one kernel of corn and you get one ear of corn, is there more kernels on the ear than what's in the ground? Amen. Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting, everlasting. Now, this is what this means. In the simplest terms, in context of this chapter, you can take, you can take your resources and you can sow to the flesh, meaning material things here on this earth. But there's something about material things on this earth. They're corrupt. You can buy a house and it'll fall apart in a few years. You can buy a car, but it'll rust to the ground. Everything that we have on this, and there's nothing wrong with none of them. Everybody needs a house. Everybody needs a car. Everybody needs. But, but what he's trying to say is you can invest in those things, but they're going to go away. Or you can choose to invest in things that will be everlasting and will be eternal. That will be waiting on you when you get to heaven. That's what it means to lay your treasures up in heaven. Does that make sense? Now watch, now watch. And here's the verse I want you to take home. Verse number nine, let's all read in concert. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's read it again. Let
1: us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not.
0: Do you know why Paul said, let us not be weary in well-doing? Because well-doing is wearisome. When you're doing right and you're doing well, sometimes you get weary. Now y'all know I'm a redneck. Say amen. Amen. And y'all are okay with that because y'all keep coming back. So you highfalutin people in here, you're just going to have to ignore this illustration I'm about to give you. Because this is just what I am. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, I grew up in South Florida. I grew up basically on Okeechobee Lake. If you're not familiar with Okeechobee Lake, look at a Florida map, the big blue circle in the middle, that's Okeechobee Lake. And every year we'd go camping on the lake. The Kissimmee River runs into Lake Okeechobee and we'd camp out on the river. My uncles and stuff would go in the airboats and they'd go frogging and go catch frogs all night long almost. And then when I was a little kid, I, I was sitting there watching my aunt Jan. Y'all have heard me tell stories about my aunt Jan a, a, a billion times, but I was watching my aunt Jan clean them frogs. And it was the most intriguing thing I'd ever seen in my life as a little child. You take your knife and you cut around the head of that frog and you got a pair of clippers or, 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 uh, uh, pliers on Moses ca- called catfish skinners, but you grab them at skin and you just snatch it off and it just pulls his britches off. Say Amen. <laughs> And here you've got this little frog. I mean, it was the most intriguing thing I'd ever seen in my life. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I said, Aunt Jan, Ann, I want let, let me do one, let me do one, let me do one. She said, Okay, here you go. And so I grabbed the frog and I I, I I I cut the frog and I I scared. Oh man, that was great. Give me another. So and so I I cleaned about twenty frogs. And 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 it, and it it wasn't fun no more. It turned into. Work. And I got weary. And so, you know, I turned to Aunt Jan and I said, here, I don't want to do it anymore. She said, huh? You started it. And, and this is what she said. Finish your frogs. Now, guys. I know you hear about missions a lot. And in the last five years. We we talk about it a lot. We preach about it a lot. We live it, we breathe it, we eat. it's all about and sometimes I'm going to admit, sometimes I know you get weary hearing about it. But we're we're on the last turn. We're we're almost there. I truly believe that Christ is about to come back. And I don't want you to get weary. Now we're almost there. We, we are we are seeing it mapped out. We are we are seeing the finish line.
1: Finish your frogs.